Matthew 4, verse 1. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament of the Bible, which is divided into two, the Old and New Testament. So it's a little more than halfway through the Bible. You can also find the book of Matthew in your table of contents. Maybe this book, this Bible is very new to you. And I want you to, don't, to, to know, don't be intimidated by it. That while it's new to you, there's a God who wants you to know it. And so that table of contents in the front of your Bible, it's okay to per, go there, look through the pages, find that number. Um, or if you got your app, just click ahead to Matthew. But here's where we are. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. Can you say by the Spirit, church? By the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. How many words? Every Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, He will command the angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Father, I pray that you would speak through me, Lord. Holy Spirit, the same spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness, I pray that you would fill me right now and lead us, your people, God, into your presence. God, I pray that your word would come clear to us, that our hearts would be soft, Lord, to your molding, uh, that we would humble ourselves, that we would be focused. Oh, Lord, teach us your way that we may walk in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, church. Matthew 4, what, a, what an amazing, amazing passage. You see, the preceding context in chapter 3 is titled, The Baptism of Jesus. You see, Jesus, you might be surprised, laid low after, for some 30 years after his birth. I mean, think of all the excitement we celebrated in December. I mean, angels coming to shepherds, wise men coming from the east, uh, Gabriel coming to Mary, uh, Simeon and Anna making his proclamation. I mean, you're expecting something big to happen. And then 30 years, essentially, of quietness. What's Jesus doing? Well, he's in his hometown of Nazareth learning from his dad how to become a carpenter. Because just as it was the right time when he was born, there would become a right time when he would enter a public ministry. Luke 3.23 tells us that it was at the age of 30 when Jesus began his public ministry. I mean, let, let that sink in for a moment. 
You see, he was about 40 days old when Simeon said that this one right here would save the nations from their sins. And 30 years later, he would start his ministry. I mean, talk about having to become patient. Church, we want you to know that God's timing is perfect. He's never late. He's never early. He's right on time. And you can trust God in the waiting, but that's next week's sermon that Josh is going to be bringing for us, all right? But I want you to know that God's timing is perfect. And at the right time, Jesus entered his public ministry. And he did so by, by getting baptized by John in the Jordan River. And yet again, imagine the excitement when John sees Jesus coming his way. He tells the people, there's one who's coming whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. And then when Jesus comes, he says these words, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. When Jesus enters the waters, John's like, I, don't, I should not be baptizing you. Jesus like, baptize me because I need to fulfill this righteousness. Jesus is baptized. He comes up, and you know what happens there? The Son of God is there, and the Spirit of God descends from heaven in the form of a dove, comes upon Jesus for people to see the heavens open, and the Father says, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. I mean, come on. What a way to start his public ministry, and our anticipation is high. We're expecting Jesus to do something great, and we get verse 1 of chapter 4. It says, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's not what you and I expect. But we got to understand something. Is that the spirit-led life will be marked by testing, church. I mean, many of us are entering this new year. We want God to lead us. But you need to know that when God leads you, there will be tests. We consider for Jesus. This high experience of baptism followed by testing. And that's often the way things go. You come through spiritual victories, those mountaintop experiences, and then out of nowhere you find yourself being tested in your faith, being tempted by the devil, and you're like, what gives? And what we're learning here is the spirit-led life will be marked by testing. It's the way that God operates, and it's what the Holy Spirit does here. Some of us might be alarmed to think that the Spirit led him into the wilderness. Sometimes when we walk in the wilderness of life, we think we've done something wrong. We think we're not where we are supposed to be. We think we're at the wrong place, and here Jesus is in the wilderness precisely in the will of his Father. You need to understand, when you are going through wilderness periods of life, it may not be because you are outside of God's will, but in fact, because you're precisely in it. There will be some wildernesses in 2021, church. There will be. But as you remain faithful in your pursuit of the Lord, you can trust that the Spirit will lead you to it and through it as well. There he is brought into the wilderness, there to be tempted by the devil. Also notice here, the spirit doesn't tempt Jesus to sin. It's the devil. And there's a clear distinction here. And we feel this this kind of weird interplay where God leads him into the wilderness knowing he'd be tempted and is a devil who tempts him. But God's not responsible for the tempting. The Bible makes this very clear. God does not tempt you and I to sin. He is for you. He is not against you. 
He will test your faith. And in the test, you may sin. But God's goal in the test is that you would come through stronger. But in those same tests, the enemy might want to use to tempt you. He would throw roadblocks in the way, traps along the way. And here, Jesus is in the wilderness. The Spirit knows Jesus will be tempted. And so the Spirit brings him in the wilderness for that temptation. But as we find often in Scripture, what the enemy desires for evil, God uses for what? Good. What the enemy intends for evil, God uses for? Come on. Because we have to understand this. When there are temptations, it's an opportunity to remain strong in our faith. And God will see us through. And that's what the Spirit does here. He leads Jesus into the wilderness because God is the master carpenter. The wilderness is his workshop. You are that block of wood, and these tests are his chisel. And he sees what he wants you to become even when you can't see it. And the wilderness is the way through it. So when you are in hot pursuit, expect some heat. When you lead the spirit-led life, expect some testing. And with that, the enemy wants to bring tempting. Jesus is there in this wilderness, and verse 2 says, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's probably very hungry. And there's a kind of supernatural strength that God provided to Jesus to get through those 40 days and 40 nights. The same strength he gave to Moses when he went fasting 40 days and 40 nights two times. And Elijah did the same. And here Jesus is there fasting what is fasting? We've talked about our aim to fast these 21 days. It is to withhold something from our lives that we value for the sake of spiritual purposes. Throughout the Bible, it's primarily food and or water. But even in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about this among married couples, that it could even be sexual intimacy that one is fast from in order to focus more on God and not be distracted. But here we see Jesus withholding food and water. Sometimes people, let me, let me restate this, people fast for, for different sorts of reasons. It is right to set goals in fasting. Why are you doing it? And to lose weight is not a reason. It could be a byproduct, right? But the, the fast has its focus on God. And so when you focus it on me, the right intention done the wrong way, it will make a mess. So in your fast, let it be God that you are pursuing. In the book of Joel, people fast out of mourning their sin in their lives. Jonah and Daniel, there's fasting out of repentance. There's fasting for intercession from Esther when she tells God's people to fast and pray. Ezra asks for a fast for protection. Jesus is fasting for spiritual preparation And Paul and the others in the church fasted for spiritual guidance and effectiveness in ministry. Let there be a goal. And for us as a church, our goal is for spiritual growth among us and for mission opportunity to spread the gospel in 2021. Now, you may have other goals you're going to set with that. Maybe there's sin in your life. You're saying, God, I need you to break these chains, Lord. These, These 21 days, God, I'm praying and I'm pleading for the grace to overcome. Maybe there is a wayward child that you're like, man, like, 
I know I cannot convince them back to Jesus. God, I need you. Maybe it's a struggling marriage. Maybe your spouse is not in line with Christ, or maybe there's conflict, and you just need to fast and pray that God would bring you both to the same page and humility. Maybe it's fasting and prayer for a big decision you have to make. Maybe there's some opportunities ahead of you, and you just don't know which way to go, and you don't want to go the wrong way. This is the time to say, God, lead me. I don't know what's going on in each of your lives, but this is an opportunity to do the right thing in the right way and let God move in and through it. We fast with focus and with a purpose. And in our fasting, avoid legalism, looking at other people thinking like, man, if you were only as diligent as me, you'd be better off. Or judging someone because you're like, you know what? I heard you were on Facebook last week. I saw that timestamp on your post. It's between you and the Lord. Yes, we spur one another on. We, we want to walk and hold each other accountable. But this is, this, is not, this is not a means to twist God's arm to love you more. Hasn't he shown enough on the cross? But it's an expression of saying, Lord, I want more of you. So here Jesus is fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He got hungry. And there, it says in verse 3, the tempter came and said to him. It's in his moment of greatest physical weakness that Satan tempts him. And isn't that the way the enemy often operates? When you just come out of your quiet time, you are less susceptible to fall into temptation, usually. But it's after a long day of work. It's after you forgot to eat lunch and you're on a car ride home. It's late at night when you can't sleep and you start feeling sorry for yourself. These are the moments we are at our weakest oftentimes. And after 40 days of fasting, Jesus is physically depleted and Satan sees an opportune time. But notice here, remember, it's the spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness. Why would the spirit lead him into the wilderness to become weak? Because he led him into the wilderness to fast and pray. Which means though he was at his physically weakest in that moment of temptation, he was also at his spiritually strongest. Because fasting is food for your soul, church. Fasting is food for your spiritual life. So when you fast and pray and consume the word, you though might become weaker physically, but you're being built up spiritually. So actually, it was grace that led Jesus into the wilderness because through that, he could withstand the temptations that would come his way. And it is grace that leads you into your wilderness to build you in your faith so that when the temptation comes, God will grace you to withstand it. Fasting is indeed food for our soul, but as we fast, keep your guard up, church. Don't, don't think that because you're fasting, you won't find temptation. In fact, because you're fasting, you will be tempted. But what Satan uses a temptation to cause you to sin, God uses a test to build you up. So if fasting is food for your soul, feed it often. Let this be a regular part of your year. Let it not be this, these 21 days But maybe once a month, you pick a day or a week to fast in some way to align yourself like your car needs a wheel alignment to get back on track. 
Well, Satan is here, and he is tempting Jesus in verse 3. Matthew calls him the devil and the tempter. You notice that. To be tempted by the devil, verse 1, verse 3, and the tempter came to him and said. The word devil comes from a Greek word, diabolos, which means through, uh, through a way, and to, through a separation. What, what Satan does, and he's given the name devil because he wants to separate, which means he wants to isolate us. He wants to accuse us. He wants to condemn us. And he does so by call, it's causing us to, or, or putting, let's say, by putting temptations in front of us. And then when we fall, he accuses us. So his name, the devil, and the tempter go right hand in hand. And here Jesus is there weakened, and the tempter comes and gives him three temptations. He serves the hungry Jesus an entree of temptations. It's a three-course meal here. The first temptation is the appetizer. The second one's the main dish, and he throws in a dessert at the end. And here the hungry Jesus is being tempted truly. You see, the Bible tells us that God cannot be tempted with evil. So many wonder, like, was this really a temptation for Jesus? Well, while God cannot be tempted with evil, the God-man could be. Jesus was fully God, never lost any of his, God, his godness, his deity, but he also became fully man. And in his humanity, these were real temptations, church. The first temptation, Satan says, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves. Notice what he does here. If you are the Son of God, he's casting doubt on Jesus' identity. The very identity the Father declared upon him the previous two verses. Jesus said, this is my, God said, this is my beloved Son. And here he's saying, like, if you are the Son, if you are who you say you are, because the enemy knew what the title Son of God means. It means that he came from God. That he has a divine nature. And so what Satan wants to do is cast doubt upon it. If you are the Son of God, cause these stones to become wonder bread. Do a miracle here and feed yourself. But you know, Jesus' miracles were never self-serving. Ever. They always had a purpose. He didn't just go to show off his power, but he had lessons through it. And here Satan wants him to prove his deity. And Jesus is like, no, I have nothing to prove to you or to anyone else because I operate out of my father's affirmation. I am the son of God. Church, we, understand, we need to understand from Jesus here that we operate out of who God says we are and not the pressures others put around us. Jesus doesn't have to prove himself. He knows who he is. And then what he does is open his mouth and says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's like, I don't need bread. I've got food for my soul. I'm fasting. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8, where Moses is telling God's people, reminding them of how he has provided for them in the wilderness and how he gave them everything they needed. And Jesus is like, I don't, I don't need anything. I have all that I need through my heavenly Father. I cling on every word that comes from his mouth. In the image, I think of those, those, those birds. You see the mama bird go out, get the worm. When he comes back to the nest, they're there, and it looks disgusting, doesn't it? The mama just vomits up kind of the worm, regurgitates it, and the baby is like in the mama's mouth eating that thing. And as gross as of an image that is, consider the care that goes behind that. 
The mama bird went out when the baby bird couldn't. Found a meal that would feed the baby bird and not kill it. The mama bird would get so close to the baby to make sure the handoff of food would take place. Because the mama bird wants the baby to become nourished. In the same way, our Heavenly Father knows what we need. And what he wants us to be in hot pursuit of him. So come so close to him and his word that we are consuming it straight from him. And that is an expression of his care. And Jesus says we live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And that's why in our fasting plan, we created this reading plan from Psalm 119. Because you can fast and pray, but you need the word to also continue to equip and, and, and strengthen your mind, church. Fill your soul. Satan ups the ante because where he tested Jesus whether or not the Father would be his sustenance, now he tests Jesus' authority. The devil took him up to the holy city and set him up on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down and let the angels catch you. But notice what Satan does here in verse uh, verse 6. In your Bibles, that verse is indented, isn't it? Look at your Bibles. You know what that indentation means? It is a quote from the Old Testament. The devil is straight up quoting the Bible to Jesus, trying to get Jesus to sin. And what Jesus understands is the Bible, that, that the devil is misunderstanding the Bible here. See, the, the devil wants Jesus to jump off this, this, this temple and trust that the angels will rescue him, like putting God to the test. And yet God catches us, but we don't go jumping off on purpose. We don't go acting a fool saying, oh, God will catch me. And that's why Jesus says in verse 7, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, quoting from Deuteronomy, now chapter 6, verse 16. Now, you don't test God. So Satan has tested whether or not Jesus can trust that the Father will be his sustenance. He's questioned whether or not Jesus had authority to call these angels down to protect him. But now the last temptation is the most brazen and bold of them all. It says in verse 8, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Notice what what Satan is doing here. He is offering Jesus kingdoms and glory aside from suffering and pain. Jesus came to establish a kingdom. Jesus came to receive glory and saying, like, I'll give you both if you will worship me. We must understand that Satan is the one who rules this earth in many ways. His power is limited, but he's everywhere throughout with his minions wreaking havoc. So in a sense, he does have kingdoms in his power. In a sense, he does have glory there. And so he gives Jesus this offer, but in order to receive that offer, Jesus needs to worship him. And what Jesus understands is what you and I must understand is that all these kinds of earthly promises are just that. Earthly. Sure, Jesus might have received some kingdoms and glory, but they would not have lasted beyond the grave. Jesus came to establish a kingdom that would reign for eternity and receive glory for all days. 
And so Jesus was tempted to receive something aside from the pain of the cross. He knew what was coming three years later. He knew the rejection he would experience. But Jesus understood that the goal was greater. And he says, be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. What Jesus does there is quotes Deuteronomy 6.13. See, what Jesus has done here in each of these three temptations is he wages war through fasting and prayer with the word of God. Each temptation he was fighting off by quoting scripture. Church, we wage war with the word. We wage war with the scriptures. The psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And so as we fast and pray these 21 days, consume the scriptures and let God renew your mind through that. Arm yourself, church, as our Savior armed himself for temptation. We see the ending here in verse 11 that the devil left him. And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. There Jesus, alone again, finding nourishment more for his soul. What a beautiful picture. This pursuit of his father, Jesus uh, let nothing get in his way. Temptation came, but he held fast. What's so beautiful about Jesus is what he accomplishes in his life. Because these opening chapters of the book of Matthew, coming up to this point, remind us something about God. That when he sent his son into this world, He sent him to become the perfection, to be the perfection of what others could not do. You see, just as God rescued his people out of Egypt and pulled them from Egypt, so also Jesus went into Egypt as a child and came out of Egypt. Just as the Father brought Israel through the Red Sea waters, so also did Jesus go through his baptismal waters. That just as the Father placed Israel in the wilderness, for testing for 40 years, so also Jesus was in the wilderness being tested for 40 days. But Israel failed. And where the children of God failed miserably, the Son of God succeeded victoriously. You see, just as God led his people into the promised land, though they didn't take all of it, so also Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection, will lead us into the promised land that will go for eternity. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ, his mission on earth is what fuels us. This good news that saves us from our sin. And church, as we venture these 21 days in prayer and fasting and word, we want to keep Jesus at the center of all we do. Because he was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Egypt. He lived in Nazareth. He was baptized in the Jordan. He was tempted in the wilderness. He was minister, he ministered in Israel. He was crucified in Jerusalem. He was raised in victory. He ascended into glory. And through faith in him, we will receive salvation and forgiveness for all of eternity. As we fast and pray, we remember that. There's another reason Jesus was victorious. Because the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 2.18... For because Jesus himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So that when you are facing temptation in this year to come, 
You can know that your Savior was also tempted, and he's able to help you through yours. Furthermore, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted, as we are yet without sin. So Jesus is able to help us, sympathize us, and strengthen us in the midst of our weaknesses in the year ahead of us. So church, let's gather together these 21 days. Let us fast, let us pray, let us consume the word and doing the right thing in the right way to grow in our Lord. We wage war with the word and we press into Jesus in him. Church, I'm excited about what's ahead of us. Maybe you came in a little undecided about whether you're going to join us in these 21 days. My plea to you is that you would jump in. That through your fears and trepidation, that those would not hold you back. Maybe you have health concerns, as was mentioned. We would love to help process that with you, how you can accommodate those things in a way that's wise but also in a way that still stretches your faith because there are things in our lives that cause us to get off track. And we want to stay, man, we want to stay focused on our Lord. So in a moment, I'm going to pray and close up our time. As you exit, there, is the, there are those prayer guides, those uh, reading guides. We'd love for you to take them, fold them, tuck them into your Bible and make this a regular part of these next 21 days. Our brother Joshua Phillips or one of our leaders will be out there to answer questions. If you got questions about how to, how to process this fast, how to do this, um, we, would want, we want to process that with you. But church, we are excited about what's ahead of us. We want to remain in pursuit of our Lord, and we're going to trust him to do beautiful and powerful things, growing us in our faith and opening opportunities to serve him this year. Let's pray, church. Oh, Lord God, we thank you, God, for the way that you still lead us. Spirit, we thank you even for the wildernesses that we're in or the ones that are coming against us here in the months or weeks ahead. But we know, God, that you are good and you're in control. We can trust you. So, Lord, like Jesus, our Savior, did, I pray that we would uh, let our souls become nourished through prayer, through fasting, through your word, that we arm ourselves with your scriptures and that we would trust you, Lord. God, I pray for us. Maybe through these 21 days, there'll be days of discouragement where we're feeling like this is harder than we thought it would be. Remind us, Lord, that you are good and gracious. Mm -hmm. That when we mess up, you're not there to condemn us. But you're there to, to strengthen our faith and to build us up. Lord, may we become the men and women you want us to be. The youth, the youth you want us to be. The Brook kids, let them become the kids you want them to be. And for any who are here who have yet to put their faith in Jesus, may they surrender to him today, Lord. May today be that day of salvation when they understand that Jesus went to the cross for them, the perfect Lamb of God who has taken away their sins. And may their lives never become the same because of that. So, Lord, may we uh, press on, move forward in hot pursuit of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's rise to our feet, church family, as we close in song. Hey, if you, if you want to give God your pursuit, want to follow him moving forward can we give our God a hand clap if that's your prayer that you would pursue him this year yeah Lord we want to pursue you oh God in all that we are God we don't want to lose sight we don't want to veer off to the right or to the left but we want to keep our eyes set upon you and live for your glory and your kingdom and your praise and your honor oh Lord 
God, may we do the right thing in the right way, God, keeping you at the center of everything, oh Lord. God, you have our lives and our hearts. You have our attention. We are yours. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, before you're dismissed, church, um, again, if you have not picked up one of those reading guides, those, those prayer and fasting guides, uh, please pick one up out in the foyer there at the, at the table. Uh, Joshua Phillips, our, one of our pastoral residents, and my wife Erica is going to be out there. If you have questions, um, they'd love to uh, help you process that. Maybe this is new to you. You need some suggestions. Um, maybe someone who's not here, uh, that you don't, or someone you don't know if they're here, uh, you think that you want them to join with you in this fast? Send them the link to this service. Send them the link to the Bible reading plan that we sent out um, and posted. Um, invite someone to join with you. Invite someone to hold you accountable that you can check in with via text periodically. Let's do this together. Let's not do this in isolation, church. And let, let's anticipate that these 21 days will result in something so beautiful, far beyond what we ever imagined they would have been. All right, church? Well, with that, I want to leave you with this blessing. God says in Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. Then you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Go seek him, church family. You are dismissed. God bless you.